Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Without further ado, please help me welcome TJ Malkanji. How are you doing tonight, bro? Excellent. Excellent, uh, man. Glad to, have, glad to be back. Awesome, man. I'm telling you, I know you feel it right now. I feel it on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost anticipation, because I really believe every time I have you on, we have an outbreak of the Holy Spirit, an outbreak of the power of God. And I believe tonight is no different. The Lord, listen, guys, if he did it last time, he's going to do it again. And our God does not fail us. He doesn't just one day not show up. And so, TJ, I have an expectation for God's power and God's anointing to move. And many of us that are right now, let me just start by saying this, bro, that are in the chat can say, type one if this is you, you got saved two times you got saved once from the world and you got saved a second time from religion and this was like me many of you say i was in church my entire life but never encountered the presence of god and i want to talk to somebody that's never encountered god's presence i want to talk to somebody that's been battling with religion that says one day i was in the church and somehow some way whether it was through a broadcast through the internet or i met god in the basement i met god on the porch i met god at an altar at one point after years of church I encountered the power and there's thousands of people typing one right now I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit what was that it was you getting saved from religion the fire of God lighting on the inside of you and you were born again friend I want to tell you that you can be in church your entire life and not be born again you can be in religion your entire life and not being born again so God's desire for you tonight is to break the bondage of religion you say what is that we're gonna go into what it is but to break the power of religion so I just I just want to start out bro by speaking over some of you in the chat and just speaking that the power of religion is broken that demonic spirit that killed jesus that is trying to kill the move of god in your life we break it tonight in jesus name and we're just believing for an outpouring of the holy spirit because really tj you know this you've traveled i've traveled this spirit has infiltrated the church what is the number one question we always get isaiah my church doesn't believe in miracles my church doesn't believe in deliverance my church doesn't believe in the baptism of the holy spirit my church doesn't have or believe in altar calls what is that that is the spirit of religion holding back the move of god trying to cage up the holy spirit and stop the holy spirit from moving so guys we're not holding back tonight this is our broadcast we are going after this thing violently we are preaching revival we are preaching awakening and we are going to see the lord mark my words dismantle this spirit in jesus name this is demonic and god is going to dismantle it today in the power of the holy spirit come on man i just feel the fire of god tonight yeah i mean if you study the gospels there has been a an image of jesus that's been portrayed in especially the north american church that doesn't display him as what he really is mm. And that's why we have to revisit the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are your best friends because they're going to show you Jesus as he really is. I don't want a backwashed Jesus. Mm. I don't want someone else's perspective of who they think Jesus is or their idea or philosophy on his life. I want the Jesus of the Bible. I want the demon slayer sick healer, dead raiser, Jesus of the Bible. I'm interested. I didn't get saved so I can warm up a pew and listen to somebody's dogma 
his dogmatic statements of who God is. I got saved. When I came in contact with the power of God that opened up my eyes, I grew up in church. I grew up in a religious, traditional church that, you know, told you that, you know, sometimes God doesn't always heal people. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Show me in the Bible where Jesus said no to somebody. Show me in the Bible where Jesus said maybe. Show me in the Bible where a leper came to Jesus and he said, hey, Luke, do you have any fish oils you can rub on his skin and we can help him out in a natural way? We're not called to deal with things in a natural way. We serve a supernatural God who is still, he didn't die and stayed dead. That's what religion is. Religion stayed in the tomb. Religion lives as though Christ never rose from the dead. But the Bible in the book of Acts shows you that the resurrected Christ, when he lives in his people, it produces living infallible proofs that show people that Jesus is alive. And religion clogs that. Religion is the clogging force that blocks revival from hitting our in our churches. And so before Revival can hit before the glory can be poured out into the church. There has to be a plumbing. There has to be a spiritual plumbing that takes place that loosens the pipe so that the glory can begin to flow through into his church. That's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 21, the first thing he did, he gets to Jerusalem. What's the first thing he does? He doesn't get up and give a cute statement. And, you know, uh, he doesn't go out trying to sell his new book that he published. He gets up. He doesn't plaster his name with uh, uh, advertisements on the pillars of the, the, the temple or whatnot. The first thing he did was he fashioned a whip. And he went and drove out religion from the temple. And he restored the purpose of the temple. Religion distorts and it warps the purpose of, uh, of, of Christianity. Jesus drove that out. And then what happened? In that hour, they came to him, all that were sick, all that were blind, all that were lame, and he healed them. He restored the purpose of God on the earth, the purpose for the temple, the purpose for the, the holy of holies. It wasn't for people to come and just slay an ox so that they can, you know, entertain their own consciences and just be at ease. The purpose was that they can what? Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people will come and humble themselves and pray, I will hear from heaven. We don't serve an idol. We serve a living God who has real ears to hear the groanings of the prisoners. And he said, I will preserve those who are appointed to die. And that's what Jesus reinstituted. That's what you see his whole life in ministry is, 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 Hebrews 1.3 says he was the exact express image and nature of the will of God on the earth. So when you, if you see what's going on in your church, it's not in the Bible. Go with Jesus. I mean, <laughs> he was the exact representation of the nature of God. He was God's will. He even said, what I do, I don't do by my own authority. The Father who dwells in me, he doeth the works. And what were those works? Son of God was made manifest to do what? The work of God was to destroy the work of the devil. Religion pampers people into accepting. I love what you said before. You got to get tired. You got to get tired with the work of the devil in your life. Religion is just going to soothe you 
and put a pacifier in your mouth and say everything's going to be okay, but there's no power to set people free. Jesus didn't come to wrap his arms around sinners and say everything's going to be all right. He came to set the captive free. He came to release them that are oppressed. He came to heal the sick, raise up the dead, give recovery of sight to the blind, unstop deaf ears to show that he's not a God amongst gods. <laughs> That's what religion does. It relegates Christianity in the same class of every other religion and organization and any other false god there is on this earth. That's what religion does. Whereas Christ came and displayed power to show that there is a distinctive mark in the life of a believer. We aren't just a world, we're not a worldview. We're not just a, a 501c3, a charity amongst other charities. We are the church, the body of the living God here on the earth, whom, whom Paul says you're the living temple of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit dwells in you, and as such, your life shouldn't look like everybody else's life. You don't serve everybody else's God. Your God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he is the God whom the Scripture says does wonders amongst his people so i mean I, I know you have something to say so I'll, I'll stop here no man you're on fire i feel it right now and that's really the essence i know some people are saying well is it that big of a deal is it that powerful listen guys this is what crucified jesus this is what killed jesus it was religion it wasn't drug addiction it wasn't atheism it wasn't hinduism it wasn't buddhism it was his own people that brought him that's to right. the cross they killed the move of god they killed the son of god and jesus said Listen, you guys can tell what weather, what, what with the weather pattern and what's happening tomorrow, but you are out of tune with what's happening in the spiritual realm. The fact that I'm standing right in front of you, and I just feel this tonight, TJ, that families that have battled religion, people that have battled in their own family for years of years and years of religion, 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 I just feel tonight it's going to break because I'm telling you the power of God and the move of God is standing right in front of you. In other words, you have full access to all God has for you, all power, all authority, the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I've brought the kingdom. The kingdom is upon you but you have to apprehend it. You have to grab onto it. You have to say tonight, Lord, I want all that you have for me. Friend, I'm telling you, religion didn't only just kill Jesus 2000 years ago. Religion is what's crucifying the move of God today. And let me just say this, Jesus' harshest words were reserved for the religious people. Like, think about this. What were the hardest words Jesus ever had? What were the harshest words, the most strong words we're not towards the atheists. We're not towards the drug addict. We're not towards the agnostics. Jesus came and rebuked the religious people. The first week of his ministry, he drives them out of the temple. The last week of his ministry, he drives them out of the temple. And let me say this, there is a man coming back on a war horse, not on a donkey, not to declare peace. And he's gonna drive out every religious demon once again every power of the enemy every church that has commercialized that has watered him down that has sold him i feel this in my bones tonight sold him like a product he is going to come and establish a true government and we're going to see those that are true from those that are false now tonight listen closely we are not talking about genuine religion james 127 i know some of you are saying what about genuine this is what James 127 says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That is not what we are talking tonight. Tonight we are talking about a demonic power that is quenched 
and kill the move of God even today. A power that is still crucifying the move of God. And this spirit we're preaching about, it brings shame. It brings condemnation. It says the supernatural is not real. It says the power of God is not for today. It builds structures and walls that keep God from moving outside the church. It basically says God can only move in the church. God can only move at the altar. And it keeps people from living every day in the spirit. And I'm telling you, this is really, and you touch on this TJ, the essence of religion, it's trying to contain the power of God. When Jesus, during the first week of his ministry, cleaned the temple, as we said, check out what happens. The Bible says there were people selling doves in cages in the temple. And they were literally caging up the Holy Spirit. They were selling the Holy Ghost like some type of product and Jesus overturned their tables. Now this TJ is a perfect picture of the American, let's let him not say American, the church in our world today that's trying to contain the move of God. And let me say something to you all listening. You might be saying, oh, you're preaching strong. This is good. You're talking about the church down the road. You're talking about the pastor of the church I go to. No, I'm not. I'm talking about you tonight. I'm preaching to you tonight because we so easily look at other people and put the blame on other people when we don't even realize we're the ones that are Pharisees. We're the ones. I'm preaching to myself tonight. We're the ones that are religious, put God in a religious framework, and Jesus goes, here's the problem. I'm getting ready to pour out new wine, and I am not pouring out my spirit in the old structure. I am not pouring out my spirit in the old wineskin. I'm a God that says, open up your eyes because I'm getting ready to do a new thing. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying to somebody, I'm getting ready to move in ways you can't even put a label on it. I know TJ, we're broadcasting. We feel God calling us to stream. I wouldn't be doing this. Trust me. If God didn't call me, it is 10 times easier to preach to a crowd than it is to a camera. But I know this is a new wine. This is something new. And all these leaders and pastors are like, how do we put our finger on it? How do we label that there's thousands of people getting saved, getting healed, getting delivered through a broadcast, through a screen, and there's they can't label it. And God says, because I'm pouring out something on new wineskin. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna destroy the old wineskin. I'm gonna let them keep doing their thing, but there's a remnant rising up. Come on, who am I preaching to? There is a remnant rising up right now, and God says, I'm getting ready to do a new thing, and I'm getting ready. Come on, let the Holy Ghost loose. Some of you tonight are letting him out of his cage. You've told him what to do, how to move. I can't stand when I travel to church and say, oh, we want God to move, but only five minutes. Guys, it is way beyond what happens at an altar. This is what God is saying to you tonight. So don't think about a church service. Think about your service. Think about your everyday life because here's what religion does. It attributes God's work to a Sunday morning and you never break out of the Sunday morning box. But friend, let me tell you something tonight. There are people waiting for you on a Monday morning, on a Tuesday morning. Guess what? Your coworker is not going to go to your church. Your family member is not going to go to your church. So how will they hear unless you bring them the power of God? So we are, we're not here to badmouth your local church or your pastor that's dead. We are here to have you evaluate your spiritual life and say, wait a minute, why am I depending on a leader or a pastor when Christ has given me the power to set the Holy Ghost free in my life? Let the Holy Spirit out of the cage. Stop trying to tell God how to move. Stop allowing this deceptive spirit to quench the move of God in your life and let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Well, I don't really know. Where's the verse? Let the Holy Spirit 
Do what he wants to do. If he wants to use you to heal people, start laying hands on people. If he wants to use you to deliver people, and this is the, this is what's crazy about religion, TJ. The people that are doing the least are shouting the loudest. It's like right. anytime a move of God breaks out, and listen to me closely, chap, religious people are like moths to a flame when it comes to a move of God. When a move of God breaks out, every religious person and their grandmother is gonna try to show up in your life. You know what's crazy to me? I had all these Christian friends, TJ, I was drinking with, partying with, and doing everything else, else with. The moment God, oh, I felt the Holy Spirit. The moment God lit me on fire, guess what? All the religious people I was partying with, all my old Christian friends, all of a sudden, they're scholars. All of a sudden, they're experts on God. When a minute ago, they were partying with me, but now that God was moving my life, oh, brother, I don't know, you're just a little bit too passionate, a little bit too radical. I want someone to write this down. Stop listening to people that are doing nothing for God. Just go ahead and tell yourself, I gotta stop allowing people that are doing nothing to try to tell me what God is doing in the world and in the earth. Like, I, I just got on TikTok last week, bro, and I started posting videos on, you know, uh, preaching deliverance, and people are on deliverance videos, oh, you know, just going off on me about how they're all, they know apologetics, and they know exegesis, and all the stuff they know about the Bible, and I'm thinking, you're trying to tell me how to do deliverance when you don't even believe in deliverance, and then I thought, well, let me just post a prayer video, right, because maybe you're mad about deliverance, but you can't be mad about a prayer video, and I'm literally, bro, I'm quoting scripture on TikTok, and all these people that have apologetics page are on there. Oh, well, and Matthew, and they're trying to tell, I'm going like, they're always just gathering to the move of God to try to talk you out of it. But I'm telling you today, I am done allowing religious people to talk me out of the move of God. I'm done allowing religious people to crucify the power of God in my life, to crucify the spirit of almighty God. I feel like the Lord is just saying, let the dove loose, let him move, let him deliver, let him heal. Is it gonna be messy? Well, let's look at the temple. Was it messy when Jesus showed up? Yeah, he wrecked the temple. And that's what he wants to do with your life. He wants to wreck all the religious mindsets and all the religious rhetoric and all the tradition. Well, my father was raised. I don't care how your dad was raised. God says, I'm doing a new thing and you can miss the mark by following religious traditions. As you guys can see, I'm passionate about this tonight because religion held me in bondage for years. It's held millions in bondage for years. One of the most idolatrous hours in the week is Sunday morning. I'm gonna tell you why. Because millions of people gather and worship a God they don't know. Worship a God they don't love. Worship a God they don't serve. And that's why Jesus said, you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say. Because not everyone that stands before me, Jesus said, is gonna go in. They're gonna say, Lord, 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 I prophesied in miracles, but they never knew him. And friend, listen, I've been in church after church. I've preached in over 500 churches and I've sat in churches going, Lord, these people don't know you. There's no passion, there's no desire. Religion stops you from knowing him. It lets you know all about him, but never brings you into intimate relationship. And tonight we are calling you, we are, we are trumpets tonight, calling you to intimacy with God, to encountering God for real, to knowing God personally, to knowing God intimately, and not just knowing him through a pastor or a preacher. We don't want you to know him through us. We want you tonight to know him personally. So don't allow this religious thing to deceive you into thinking you know God when you have no fruit in your life no hunger in your life, no desire. We're just, we're breaking it tonight. And I already know, bro, people are getting their eyes open. The veil's being lifted. It's being torn because God is bringing breakthrough tonight in Jesus' name. In John chapter nine, 
Jesus sees a man who's born blind and the people automatically, you know, they ask him, is it because of his sins or his parents' sin that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither, but that the work of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day for night comes where no man can work. And he heals. He opens up the eyes of the man that was born blind. Well, you fast forward and they bring his parents because he did it on the Sabbath. So that disrupted their, their, their regularly scheduled programming. They could not stand that Jesus was doing, th doing things outside of the box. So they bring the guy on, you know, to question him. And they said, tell us, how did this happen? They, they were not, religion doesn't even give a, 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 a hoot about the fact that there was a miracle done. They're so concerned with the way how it came to be that they, they discard, they throw the baby out with the bathwater. They don't care that this man, I mean, that's one thing I think if you grew up in a religious circle, one thing you've come to understand is that these people, this traditionalism and all that junk, junk they don't care about people. There's no desire to help people. It's all about self-gratification, self-glorification. It's all about self-promotion. There's no desire to help people. And Jesus was the total opposite. He didn't care about whether, you know, he wasn't in, interested in the people's money. He wasn't interested in the people's uh, per, per, perspective of who he was. He wasn't interested in the way they even came to him and they said that you, we know you're a teacher come from God. Nobody can do these things unless God be with them. Neither do you care about the opinions of men, nor do you regard the opinions of men. He, he had no care whether his truth and the truth he preached uh, hurt you or whether it helped you. He just preached the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he was for men. The Bible says the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So when he saw people that, was, that were lost, he had compassion. Religion has zero compassion. It is dead, cold, and boring. It, it does not set its scope on aiding and assisting mankind. It does not set its scope on, on delivering those that are in captivity. It's totally regarding their own personal comfort. They're more interested in their personal comfort, their personal aggrandizement, than helping people. And as such, the people suffer. When there's religion in the pulpit, there is going to be suffering in the pew. And so they bring this guy before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin questions him. Finally, he says, listen, do you want to be his disciple also? Don't you know that since the beginning of the world, it's never been heard of that a man born blind receives his sight, and yet you're questioning whether it's where it's from? And uh, they end up kicking him out, casting him out of the synagogue. And then Jesus meets him, tells him, I'm the guy that opened your eyes. Believe on me. He believes on him. There's a great rejoicing and worshiping of him. And then you move on forward. The Pharisees heard him speaking and they said, are we blind also? Are you saying we're blind also? Jesus said, if you were blind, you wouldn't have any sin. But because you think you see, your sin remains. That is the main danger, in my opinion. The, the, the most dangerous thing that you can get into is a religious circle because you start to adopt something you don't even realize is in you. Religion is like bad breath. You have it. Everyone around you knows you have it, but you don't understand that you have it. It's like armpits. It stinks. Nobody, everyone you understands that you stink, but you're the only one who's going around frolicking off, not understanding the stench you're giving off. That's how religion is. 
It, it affects everybody around you. Jesus, I mean, you look at the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had a, they got a kick. You know how you talked about how like you, you were in the clubs. You had, I remember one time I left, I was at a wedding and my, um, before I got saved, I, I had drank so much wine that day. My old, my teeth and my mouth were just blue with wine and colored because of the wine and the stain of the wine. And, uh, I had people in my own family that, you know, they didn't do anything. They were laughing at what I was doing and whatnot. But then the moment I caught the fire of God, the moment I got serious about my relationship with God, the moment I started to believe this Bible, not as a textbook, but as the word of God delivered to me personally, and I started to act on it. That's when they all came out of the woodworks. This guy drank the Kool-Aid. Man, this guy really lost his mind. Really? You didn't care when, I, you know, I was punching a drywall or whatever when I was drunk off my mind. But now when I'm starting to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, now when I'm starting to tell people that you can enjoy God's blessing on you, now when I'm seeing blind eyes open and cancers leave people, now I've lost my mind. Now I'm ludicrous. Now I'm beside myself. And you know what? I don't care whatever people, you know, even family, what they think of me. Because ultimately, if I'm besides myself, Paul said, it's because of God. If I look crazy, it's because of God. If I look foolish, then I'll rather be classified as someone who's foolish in the sight of man, but honored in the eyes of God, rather than being foolish in the sight of God and honored in the sight of men. Jesus even rebuked the Pharisees. And he said, you are those who seek to be justified in the sight of men, but God knows your heart. And what is highly esteemed amongst men is actually an abomination in the sight of God. I, <laughs> you look at everywhere Jesus went, he had a religious crowd that followed him. He was in Mark chapter, uh, Mark chapter 3 in the synagogue. And the Pharisees came from Jerusalem to be there with him. And they watched him closely, scrutinizing him, observing him, analyzing everything he did to see if there'd be something they can catch him in. Jesus knew their thoughts by the word of knowledge. And he says, which, which is easier or which is lawful, sorry, to do on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill a life? To heal a man or to leave him sick? Religion sees keeping people, people coming into their churches and leaving their churches the same way. Religion has no problem with that. Jesus was irritated with the thought of that man who had a withered hand. Entering into that synagogue, him being the minister preaching that day and leaving him the same way he came. You can't encounter Jesus. Sorry. You can't encounter Jesus and leave the same way you came. You can't get hit by a Mack truck going 100 miles an hour on a highway and then show up to your meeting at 3 p.m. and say, I got hit by. No, there are people are going to know that you are hit by a Mack truck. There's going to be a visibility. A visible evidence on the way you look. Well, in the same vein, when that man came in contact with Jesus, even though there was religious tradition around him that sought to keep him in bondage, Jesus said, which is easier or which is lawful? Heal a man or keep him sick? To save a life or to kill a life? Jesus was saying it's unlawful for people to come in and out Sunday after Sunday, meeting after meeting, and not receive deliverance from heaven. It's unlawful. It's an abomination to God. When I prepare my sermons, and I know you're the same, Isaiah. You're, we're cut from the same cloth. When we prepare sermons, I'm not thinking of the nice, clean, suburban, well-off human that has everything sorted out, and they don't need God's help. When I prepare my sermons, I'm thinking 
that on every pew there's a broken heart. Religion doesn't think that way. Religion wants to have great oration, beautiful speech, eloquence of talk. Paul said the kingdom of God is not in word only, but it's in power. Our gospel didn't come in word, but in power, in assurance, and in the Holy Ghost. Paul said, I didn't come with eloquent speech, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. When I'm thinking of, when I'm about to preach, I'm thinking that in that, in that, in that church service, or when I do my broadcast, someone's watching me today. That, that is a single mother, lost the husband to who knows what, is raising three kids, and is on that last string that's about to break. And they need, they need comfort. They need edification. They need exhortation. They need help. They need not only peace in their finances. They need peace in their mind. They need joy. Maybe their joy level have been depleted. It, someone watching could be struggling with a disease, an incurable disorder, that unless God pulls through, they're going to die before their time. This is not a game. If you treat Christianity as some game that we're just playing in a playground, Christianity is not is not a, a playground. It's warfare. When you get enlisted in the army of God, God has called you to be on the battleground, the front line, to get to work. You're not saved by works, but you are saved to get to work because there's a hurting, dying, broated, contorted, broken, contorted, and distorted world out there, lost, signed, dying humanity, that unless you open your mouth by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, by the word of God that is a hammer that breaks the mold to pieces, they're, they're going to suffer. God's will is not all. Religion teaches you that God is sovereign no matter what we do in life. How many of you know God's will will get done? That's not in the Bible. The Bible says that the Lord sits in the heavens and the earth he has given to the sons of men. That means the church, every generation is responsible for that generation. Every generation of believers is responsible for that generation of, of sinners to get saved. And unless we do the work, look, if God's will was always done, the Bible says, let man, what God has put together, referring to marriage, let no man put asunder. Well, do, are there divorces? Do people, do people commit adultery and there's a split in the, in, in, in the marriage, even in Christian marriages sometimes? Absolutely. Well, it's God's will that they don't, they're not split asunder, but it happens. Why is that? Because God's will is not always enforced on the earth. God needs people that are going to cooperate with him. And before you're going to cooperate with him, to bring about the salvation of your loved ones, to bring about the salvation of, of, of the people in your workplace, the people you've been praying for, the word is a hammer. And the first thing it has to do is to break the mold of religion off of you. Jesus said there is a donkey that is tied, a colt that is tied. I need you to go and loose it and bring it here so I can ride it into Jerusalem. Before that donkey can be used as a vessel to bring Christ into Jerusalem, to usher in the presence of God into that city, it had to be loosed from the stand. There's some of you right now, you're being loosed from the, 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 the bondage of religion. And as such, God's going to begin to use you. God's going to use your mouth. We were at one time without God. Our mouths, you know, it's, it's amazing how many Christians I hear boast about their sinful lifestyles before they came to Christ. Oh, you, you, you have no idea what I did. And they go on this rant about how, how evil they were. Well, understand that mouth that was used to produce 
wicked words. Now God can anoint that mouth to to speak his word under the anointing of God, to lift up the heavy burden and break every yoke of captivity. That like Ezekiel, wherever you go and there's dry bones around you, you can begin, hallelujah, you can begin to speak the word of the Lord. There's some of you watching right now, we're not even talking about joy and joy's hitting you. We're not. That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. It's in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The hands that used to do all kinds of evil things. God now anoints your hands. As he breaks you free from tradition, he's going to pop you up out of the box and those hands will be used as registered weapons in heavens to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Your hands, if you would see and lift off the bias and the the, the tainted goggles of religion, you would see that those hands are, are like nuclear weapons. The devil sees them as nuclear weapons. He knows he can't stand the hands of an anointed believer. The moment hands are laid. I mean, look in Paul's case. Paul, it wasn't even his hands. It was his handkerchiefs and aprons. If that were done today, which it happens. I've had that happen where a handkerchief I had, I ended up giving it to someone. And uh, their father-in-law was dying of of, uh, dengue fever and lung infections. And the the handkerchief I gave his his, uh, son-in-law, He brought it home that night, wiped it all over his body, over his head, because he didn't have, you know what? If that guy had a religious mindset, he would have said, handkerchiefs? I mean, Paul did that, but we're not expected to do that. This guy thinks he's better than who he is. It's not about me. It's that I know that I'm anointed. That's not boastful to say that. It's actually godly to say that. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and that anointing empowers you to release certain things through your life that otherwise could not be achievable. So the those hands are registered weapons. Your feet are now shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Man, your eyes are now open to behold the wonders of, of the law. If you would just, if you would just break free from the traditional view that you had of God and start to see, I mean, people had that bracelet years ago, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Let me tell you, fashioning a whip. And driving people out of a church is not out of the realm of possibilities. Let me tell you, spitting on people's eyes is not out of the realm of possibility. Taking clay that you've spat in and making anointed clay and then throwing it on their eyes is not out of the realm of possibilities. (laughs) If Jesus would show up in some conferences today, in some churches today, he would and grab a mic and start ministering under the anointing, he would be booted out and never invited again. You know, in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that word came to his own, and his own received him not. Well, that's John 1. But if you want to you make that relevant to today now, you can say that Jesus came to his church. Jesus came to the world. He's talking about the Jews, his own, the Jewish people didn't receive him. But now bring that to today. He now wants to visit his church, but his own church in most cases is receiving him not. But you want to know the good news? God will go past a million people just to get to the person that is hungry, that is craving for a manifestation of his presence. David said, my soul longs for the Lord. My flesh cries out to see the living God amongst me. He said, my flesh, my flesh panteth. My spirit cries out to see 
power in thy sanctuary as it is unto this day. Psalm 71, 18, David said, Lord, even when I'm gray-headed and old of age, don't forsake me until I've seen your power at work. Before you can step out, and start to be used mightily of God. As you break free from tradition and religion, there has to be a craving. I'm not satisfied with the status quo. I'm satisfied with regular Christianity. People in this COVID era, they're always saying, man, I wish we can go back to normal. I don't want to go back to normal. I don't know what normal was because normal got us in the pit in the first place. I revolution. I want to see Book of Acts Christianity. I want to see people anointed of God who just their shadow passing by is breaking people free from sickness. I want to see people that are on the way to the hour of prayer and they see cripples. And as they see, they don't pass them by and say, man, what a shame. We're not called to pity this world. We're anointed to set it free. By the power of God. And God's going to use you from this day onward to do that. The devil won't have any say about it. Remember, he's not over your head. The devil's not eye to eye. People say all the time, well, if I start being used by God like this, the devil's going to get angry. He's going to come. Who cares? There's ants in my house. Do you think I wonder and I stay awake at night? Man, there's ants in my house. Huh? What am I going to do? It's an ant. I just step on it. The devil's under your feet. Start to live like it. Hallelujah. I love what you Hallelujah. said because I think people are right now watching this. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so fired up. I'm falling out of my chair, but people are saying, what's the passion? And this is the question you always get. I always get, what's the passion and all the excitement about? And this is because people don't believe in the true Jesus of the Bible. And there's nothing exciting about religion. That's there's right. nothing fun about religion and the lie that religion has created and i think if there's anything we need to cancel in this cancel culture it's cancel religion here's the lie is that god is detached god is dystoic he's far off and that god is boring this is the anthem of our generation tj is that we serve a boring god the whole world thinks this because we have shaped their perception we've made a boring god a god that doesn't heal as you said a god that doesn't deliver a god that doesn't speak in dreams a god that doesn't give visions a boring god this american westernized gospel and i'm telling you right now if we get connected back to the god of the bible when i signed up guys i did not sign up to show up to a meeting once a week and to live a dead believer i signed up to serve the god of the bible where every day i have access into heavenly places i have access so if you remove listen very closely the supernatural component to the things of god you've now removed relationship because god is a spirit and those that worship him worship in spirit and in truth so if we remove the spiritual side of it we have no way of contacting god so then what happens how do we contact god we have to contact god through a person this is what religion does this is what leaders and pastors do they don't don't want you realizing that you can encounter God on your own that you don't have to go through a person you don't have to go through a leader you don't have to go through a preacher but you have uh, I'm gonna make some pastors mad here you have access to God on your own right. you right now have access to heavenly places Jesus said 
I've given you keys. What do the keys do? They unlock heavenly realms. Now you could have keys all you want and never put them in the car, turn the ignition and go places. And some of you, you worship with your keys. You praise with your keys. You pray with your keys. But God says, when are you going to put them in the ignition? When are you going to go places in the spirit and encounter me in heavenly places? Now religion is threatened by people that think they know God better than them. They get threatened. Who do you think you are actually wanting to pray at your house? Who do you think you are actually wanting to read your Bible? Who do you think you are? And that is why they, the Cardinals try to keep the Bible from people. They did not want you to have the Bible. You know Tyndale got killed? The Tyndale, the publish, now it's the biggest printing Bible company. He got killed for trying to translate the Bible so that me and you can know scripture. That's how much religion doesn't want you to know the Bible. And that's the same way today. Pastors and leaders are threatened. Friend, I, listen, I want you to be more in fire than me. I want you to be more passionate than me. I want you to pray 10 times more than I pray. Religion doesn't want you to grow past where they're at and it wants to teach you God is boring. God doesn't act. He doesn't have supernatural power. He doesn't require every day of our life and you need me to be able to encounter God. Friend, let me tell you, you don't need me to encounter God. I am here training you and equipping you, but you don't need me to go to God for you. You can boldly approach the throne of grace. And this is why Jesus tore the veil. The very thing separating you from having access before, it was only the priest that could access God once a year. And now God says, I've torn the veil of religion and stop trying to sew it back together. And now you have the power, you have the authority, and you have access to encounter God. Religion says God can only move at a church building. The gospel says you are the church building. Friend, you are the dwelling place of God. God does not dwell in building newsflash. God dwells in people. We are the temple. Paul says, do you not know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're going out committing sexual immorality? He goes, would you bring Jesus to see a prostitute? No. Do you not know that you are a temple of God, that God is living on the inside of you and that you don't have to wait, friend, do you know how freeing this is to know that every day I have access to God? Wait a minute, Isaiah, you're telling me that I don't have to wait till a service, till Isaiah Saldivar comes to town? You don't have to wait for me to come to town or me or TJ. You have access right now to God and religion wants to tell you, oh, you have to tithe and you have to go through the priest and you have to be a part of our life group and you have to go four years of Bible college before you can baptize. Friend, you can baptize people right now in your bath. Well, who gave me permission? The book of Acts. That's who gave you permission. When you're bad, don't be listening to Isaiah. He's crazy. He's trying to tell you to do what biblical things he's trying to tell you that you can do what the Bible tells you to do. Here's the reality, friend. Pastors do not want you to do what the Bible says. They are afraid that you're going to start standing up and doing what the Bible says. And so now I want to touch on this, TJ. We have a doctrine that says the gifts have ceased. And many of you are brand new believers. You've come out of this cessationist. You've come out of this idea where the gifts have ceased, deliverance has ceased, prophecy has ceased. And so now we don't need the supernatural power of God. If you go on YouTube, TJ, now listen, we're up and coming YouTubers, okay? We're brand new, we're fresh on it. God is growing, praise the Lord. We're about to hit 82,000 subscribers. Shout out to Jesus, praise the Lord, right? The mass majority of YouTubers right now are cessationists, are reformed. In other words, they don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And let me give you the verse they use. 
First Corinthians, First Corinthians, thirteen ten. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and words of knowledge will become useless. This is what your Bible says. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, but e and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when that which is perfect comes that which is perfect comes then that which is in part shall be done away with so here's what they say and here's what they teach tj this is what religion says we don't need prophecy the gifts of the spirit the move of god the holy spirit moving in our lives because that which is perfect here's what they say is the new testament now that we have the new testament we don't need it anymore but not realizing paul is actually describing how the eternal love of god is never going to fade away but all these other things the gifts are temporary so right now he goes we all know in part, we prophesy in part, we move in the spirit in part, but when Christ comes, we're going to know Christ in his fullness. And so we're no longer going to know Christ partially. We're going to know God fully. So Paul is saying the gifts, yes, are worthless without the love of God, but they're not useless. They're going to be useless when Christ returns. So you have to understand that which is perfect is not the new Testament. We right now need the gifts of the Holy Spirit need the power of the Holy Spirit, need the fire of the Holy Spirit, need the delivering power, the hand of God, Luke chapter 13, the girl that's bound 18 years in the temple with the demon. And then the Pharisees say, well, Jesus, you shouldn't be casting out demons on the Sabbath. Right there, we see the problem. The problem with religion is it considers the supernatural work. It considers it labor. Friend, it is not work or labor. We're not delivering people, killing people, preaching to people because we have to. We're doing it because we want to. And religion preaches works, saying you have to do it because of a certain reason. We're saying we get to do it because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So understand that which is perfect is the coming of the Lord. So when Christ comes, we're not gonna need to cast out demons. We're not gonna need to heal the sick. We're not gonna need to prophesy words of knowledge. We don't need that in heaven when that which is perfect has come. But understand that the gifts of the Spirit didn't end with the apostles and here's why because they didn't start with the apostles they are not the gifts of the apostles have you ever realized that the gifts of the spirit are not the gifts of the apostles they are the gifts of the holy spirit because the holy spirit originated the gifts and they remain in him so they can't pass away because the holy spirit is god's representative on the earth the Holy Spirit is God on the earth, God on the inside of us. And that's why Jesus told the disciples, if this is good preaching, type one, share this on Facebook, help us out. That is why Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to send somebody. And the guy that I'm sending, he's a person, okay? He's not a force or just a spirit. He is a person. He is going to glorify me, but I'm going to leave physically. You're not going to see me anymore. But guess what? He's going to take over. Everything I was doing, the Holy Ghost is going to take over. So you know how I was discipling you? The Holy Ghost is going to disciple you. You know how I was healing the sick? Is the Holy Ghost going to be healing the sick? You know that uh, that nearness that, you know, Peter, do you remember when everybody left me, when the 5,000 people left me, when I told them to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and there was 12 of you right there, and I looked at you, Peter, and I said, are y'all going to leave too? And you stood up, Peter, and you said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, here's what he was saying. 
You're the only one that makes us feel alive. Religion never made us feel alive. Drinking never made us feel alive. Drugs never made us feel alive. But here's what Peter was saying. When you spoke, and I just feel the Holy Ghost tonight. When you spoke, something came alive on the inside of me. Jesus says, you know what that was? That was the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost alive in you. And that friend right there, religion cannot offer you. But guess what? I'm going to send that. And that thing's gonna live on the inside of you. Not that thing, let me correct myself. That person is gonna live on the inside of you. And now God is gonna be on the earth, not dwelling in buildings. Now, is it powerful to come together? No duh, I'm gonna be this weekend in three services on a Sunday. So trust me, I believe in the gathering of the church. Is it powerful we come together? Yes, but you don't have to wait for the coming together because guess what? I'm living. My address is inside of you. So you're like, I'm looking for God. God, show up, God. And God goes, I'm right there on the inside of you. And I'm longing to break the religious box. I'm longing to move. So you heard it here. The gifts have not ceased. They didn't start with the apostles. They didn't end with the apostles. These are the gifts of the spirit. And God is longing to manifest. In fact, let me say this before I turn it over here, okay? And we're just in our intro and we're 47 minutes in. We're going to have to have you back on very, very soon here. But Paul literally warned Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of these people. And this is, this is crazy, DJ. Listen to what he says. He says, they're going to love themselves and their money. They're going to be boastful and proud. They're going to scoff at God. They're going to be unloving and unforgiving. They're going to be puffed up with pride. And they're, they're going to love pleasure more than God. And then after all that, I'm thinking, okay, Paul, you must be talking about like atheists, agnostics. You must be talking about like, you know, these wicked, evil people and these dictators and r- wicked rulers, rich people, right? And then Paul says, let me tell you who I'm talking about. I'm talking about y'all. I'm talking about, because here's what he says. He, de- he defines who these people are that are going to fill our churches. He says they will act. They will act. This is how they act. Religious, but they will reject the very power that can make them like God. That's what your Bible says. And he says, here's my advice to you. What do, what do we do about religious people? It is not Isaiah because I could get in trouble for saying this. Paul says this. Do me a favor. Here's what you need to do about these people. Stay away from them. Do not go near them. Do not fellowship with them. Do not hang out with them. Do not drink coffee with them. Do not go to Starbucks and try to read your Bible and tell them about how God's using you to deliver people and heal the sick. Here's why. Because their fire, their fire is contagious and they're going to try to quench the move of God. They're going to try to tell you that God doesn't heal. They're going to try to tell you the gifts aren't for today. They're going to try to tell you that deliverance is not for the church. They're going to try to tell you what Jesus told you. Jesus said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, because remember a little bit of leaven could ruin the entire thing. So, and literally I'm, I'm telling you guys, we're telling you from experience. Okay. I don't have, I don't have to tell you 10 years of experience here. I'm telling you, one religious person can shut an entire move of God down. How do you know, brother? Because I've watched it happen over and over. TJ, I have watched associate pastors shut revivals down in the church. I've watched youth pastors shut revival down. I've watched marriage pastors. I've watched one pastor on staff of 30 other pastors shut the entire move of God down. Why? Because beware of the leaven, the little bit that's going to spread and influence the entire group and stop the move of God. Pastor, you need to put your foot down and say, I am not going to allow this religious leaven in my life. I am not going to allow Pharisees in my life. Now, listen, I'm not saying cut off all your friends and family, but I'm letting you know, if you hang out with five religious people, 
You're going to be the sixth religious person. And you're up in here. I'm on fire. I love God. I love deliverance. I love healing. I love the blood of Jesus. I love all this. And then watch what happens. A week goes by. Well, my friend said, well, my friend said, you want to know why? Because religious people make disciples. And this is the danger. And in Matthew 23, Jesus, TJ, tells us this and gives the most harshest words. Now, listen, we don't have time to go into all this. But if you want to find the harshest words in scripture, go to Matthew chapter 23 and look at what Jesus told the Pharisees, rebukes the Pharisees in front of everybody and basically says, you guys make disciples. And when you make disciples, they're worse than you are. They're twice as the sons of the devil than you are because you're discipling people. You're converting people away from God to be like you. And this is what he goes. He says, you for you cross land and sea. This is what he tells the Pharisees to make one convert and then turn them into twice the child of hell that you are. Wait, what? How can you say something so rude, Jesus, and so mean? You must not. No, I'm talking to the modern day religious people. And let me just let me just settle the score here. The Pharisees, write this down, were accidental Pharisees. They were not religious on purpose. They were ignorant of the power of God and they were too prideful like some of you tonight to say, you're right. I don't know everything. I don't have it all together. I need your power in my life. I need breakthrough because Jesus said, I didn't come for those that think they're righteous. I came for those that know they're sinners and need a savior. So here's the difference between whether God's going to move in your life. Number one, you need God or number two, you don't think you need God. If you are listening to this broadcast tonight and you're sitting here going, I don't need this. I'm not religious. You are religious. You are an accidental Pharisee because if you don't think the tentacles of this demonic spirit are not going to be able to wrap their head around you, wrap their arms around you, wrap their power around you. Guess what? That's what every man of God who fell to sexual sin thought. They thought it'll never happen to me. It'll never, you know, what the Bible says, take heed lest you fall because nobody is exempt from the wiles of Satan. Nobody is exempt from the fiery darts. And the moment you stop putting up the shield of faith and be, and being defensive against the enemy and realizing every day, the enemy's prowling, trying to attack. I already know. Listen, I just made a TikTok, TJ, uh, three, four days ago, whatever. Right. I post my videos. I look at my page and my friend's page. I don't go on the scroll feed, right? The little feed where you can scroll through the videos. If you guys are on TikTok, you know what I mean? I don't go on there at all. I don't scroll through videos. And here's why. Because I already know my vices. I already know what God delivered me from. And I am not exempt because I'm a man of God, a deliverance preacher, a mighty revivalist. I already know. I don't know what's going to show up on that screen. So I'm not going to live any room. This is why Paul says, leave no room for Satan. Don't give him any place. Now, if I start scrolling on there and a girl shows up in a bikini doing some popular dance, guess what I just did? I gave the, I gave the devil room in my life. I give the devil, devil space in my mind and I am working overtime to make sure the devil has no access to me, to make sure he has no room in my life. Am I covered in the blood? Of course. Do I have the power of almighty God? Yes. But when I start getting into things that are not of God, I lose my divine protection. I move outside of the hedge of God's protection. So understand Jesus had harsh words and Jesus said, you're creating converts that are attracting people to religion and not to God. Let me give you modern terms. People, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit on this modern terms people are attracted to our churches 
our personalities and our programs, but not attracted to God. So he said, you're making converts, but you're converting them to be attracted to your system and not my power. Isaiah, that's not true. I'll prove it's true. Sunday morning, I'm going to be at a church preaching. There will be 600 people packed into a little building or into a building, plus 300 people in the foyer, plus people waiting outside. Why? Because Isaiah Saldivar is coming to town. Now, let's take the same church and say, we're hosting a prayer meeting. Guess how many people are going to show up? 15 to 20 people. Why? Because we've made people, personalities, and church more popular than the presence of God. And Jesus is saying, you're making people converts, but they're not following me for the right reasons. They're ending up twice as lukewarm as you are because you're bringing and you're making the attraction, the person, the show, the lights, the veneer, the whatever you want to call it, but they're not coming for the right reasons. And some of you can't remember the last time someone got healed in your meeting. You can't remember the last time someone got baptized by fire. You can't remember the last time the Holy Ghost moved. And you're trying to sit up here and say, you guys need to relax. No, no, I don't want to be like you. I want to make disciples, not religious converts. So don't try to get up in here and try to, oh, brother, you shouldn't be doing this. Casting out demons is dangerous. I'm not trying to be like you. I don't want to be a guy that gets around sick people and they leave still sick. I don't want to be around demonized people and they leave demonized. I don't want to be around people that are not passionate and they stay not passionate. I don't want people coming to my meetings and not encountering the power of God. So stop trying to convert people. The worst thing religious people can do is open up their mouth. Do not let religious people, I'm going to pass it over here because I've been going for like 15 minutes here, but do not let religious people convert you. Man, I'm telling you, TJ, religion is so contagious, so toxic, so poisonous. And if we don't start identifying it for what it is, it's rat poison. We don't identify for what it is. We're going to keep drinking the Kool-Aid. We're going to keep eating the poison thing. Why am I not seeing God move? Because you're eating the poison of religion. It's time to just say no to this religious spirit that's in invading the church. That's right. And if you study Proverbs, Proverbs 4.24 literally says, you have to guard your heart mm. above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life. So the issues of life are not going to stop unless you stop the source of what's been allowed into, his, into your own heart. If you keep drinking from the same bacterially infested waters mm. over and over and over again, stop complaining when you have a stomachache because it's going to continue. You, I mean, if people will get this, that life is not random. Life is not a series of random events and the things that happen to you are random. Life is, a, the, the quality of life that you enjoy is determined by how much you guard your heart, not only in what you don't let in, but what you do let in. Not only what you guard your heart away from, because you can guard your heart away from religion all you want. You cannot give room to the devil in your life, but then also not give room to the Holy Ghost in your life. Acts chapter 2, they were all together in one accord, and the Holy Spirit fell on them all. And they were divided unto them, cloven tongues as of fire. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They tarried until they were clothed with power. They knew, I'm not going to survive 
off yesterday's manna. I'm not going to survive. I'm a new wine skin, but Jesus said, I need new wine. Just being a new wine skin does not guarantee you're going to live in victory throughout your life. You need the new wine of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus said that new wine can't come in old wine skins. That means you need to be born again. And not only that, when you're born again, you can't keep to the old traditions that you had before you got saved. You got to transform your mind according to the word of God. Renew your mind according to the word of God to see as God sees. And then you're qualified to receive that new wine. Now, Isaiah talked about cessationism and that the gifts of the spirit and the, the, the power of the spirit doesn't really flow. Uh, after the apostles, that's when it stopped because we moved on to we've moved on to a new program and we, we we've pretty much sorted out all the 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 kinks in our armor and we know what we're doing now. What a thing to think! What a foolish way of, of of living. You know, churches that think that way that ultimately we know we don't need the gifts of the spirit like they needed it to because they needed it to establish and build the church. It's almost like the church needed help in that day and that time in order to get things in order. But now we've moved on. We have the word of God. Bless God. You can't preach this word without there being an in an, an, a, a flood of signs and wonders and gifts of the spirit if it's preached according to Bible doctrine. Jesus taught and preached and healed every kind of sickness and every kind of disease among the people. And then go on you know, a step further, the Bible doesn't say that these gifts to one, is, to one apostle is given the working of miracles and to another pastor is given the working of uh, uh, the gifts of healing and to another and to Peter was given the gift of faith. It says to one is given the working of miracles by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the gift of faith by the same spirit. To one, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So if these things are given to us, the manifestation of the spirit, doesn't say the manifestation of the apostles, doesn't say the manifestation of, of Peter and John. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each man to the profit of all. Then, as long as the Holy Spirit is still on the earth in the church, and if he's not in the church, then who, nobody will get convicted of sin because it's the spirit that convicts of sin. It's the spirit that convicts of righteousness. It's the spirit that convicts of judgment. John chapter 16, the Bible says, no man can come to me unless the spirit draws him in. So if the spirit has left and we're on our own, nobody's going to get saved. Matter of fact, we don't even know if we're saved, if that's the case. But the Spirit, when he came in Acts chapter 2, the Bible doesn't say in Acts chapter 4, and then the Holy Spirit left, and he said, I think they, they have it all uh, sorted out by themselves. They don't really need my help anymore. No. <laughs> a better, actually, in my opinion, a better title for the Acts of the... Uh, for the book of Acts, some translation says the Acts of the Apostles. Others, it's the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the Apostles. That's, in my opinion, my preferred translation of the, of the title of the book, book of Acts. Because if you study it, it wasn't the Acts of the Apostles. It was the Acts of the Holy Ghost through the Apostles. And not just the Apostles, the church. Stephen wasn't an Apostle. Stephen was a deacon that served tables in the local gathering. Philip was not an apostle. Philip was a local deacon. And then when the scattering happened at Jerusalem because of persecution, he went to Samaria and said, you know what? 
These people have never heard the word, and he began to preach Christ to them, and miracle signs and wonders began to manifest in his ministry. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't some uh, some uh, famed man of God or notable figure. No, he was a regular dude that took God at his word, and God began to work through him. That's why the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro the whole earth seeking in 2021 if there be one if there be a man if there be a woman who will say lord i'm not satisfied with the way the church is right now i'm not satisfied with the way the world is mocking at the church you know it really shuts the mouths of mockers when there's a manifestation of the gifts of the holy ghost in our meetings that's what puts a quick shut uh, on the mouth of mo of mockers they <laughs> Look at it in Acts chapter 5. Many signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles. And as such, what happened? There was great fear in the land. And people held the church in high esteem. You want to know why the church is belittled? The church is just seen as a non-entity? The church is just set to the side as some irrelevant organization on the earth that all we do is we're pretty much just a charitable uh, organization. We hand out socks. We, you know, feed some people, clothe some people. Those are all great things, but that's not the primary function of the church. We were put on this earth. Jesus said, go ye therefore into all the world and paint houses as your missionaries in, in uh, foreign nations. No, he didn't say to paint houses. Those are all great things. They're wonderful. That's not the ministry of the Holy Ghost. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to empower people to cast out devils, to raise the dead, cleanse the leper, freely as we have received, now we freely give, to point people to Christ for the edification, the building up of the church so that people can be reminded. You know, like I said before, Jesus said, if you don't believe my words, believe you the works that, I, that you see me do. If Jesus needed help with signs and wonders to convince people of his message, he even said these people will not believe unless they see signs and wonders. And then he proceeded to do signs and wonders. If he needed the anointing of God who went about doing good by that anointed, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How much more? What a prideful people. To say that we don't, you know, we, we, we've developed our own programs. Some Sunday services are so <laughs> tailored to like fast food religion that they're, they've actually gotten it down to an art where it's like 22 minutes from the beginning of the first hymn to the benediction at the end. It takes like 22, 25 minutes. They've got it down to like an art. There's some churches, they'll actually tell you in church growth seminars. That unless your service is less than 90 minutes, don't expect to grow. That your church service has to be tailored to about 45 minutes maximum. And uh, you should do multiple services when you see the crowd getting to about 70%. There's all these methods and means that Jesus never brought up. Do you think if those things were important, that Jesus would have actually made mention of them? I'm not saying that you should, like, you know, not use a, you know... There should be a professional aspect to the ministry, of course. We should be excellent. You know, we should do things well. We should, you know, we, we should be diligent in our approach, of course, because Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men, meaning that I'm going to I'm gonna give you the uh, not only the spiritual tools, but practical tools to bring in the lost. So I'm not against that. But at the same time, if you're tailing your service so that man is happy, but the Holy Ghost is grieved, you want to be in that service. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. If you're grieving the only one who
who can bring people to Christ and keep them in Christ, then you're, you're fighting a battle you ain't ever going to win. I want to tailor. When I do my meetings, you know, I hate it. Some places, thank, thank the Lord that, you know, as we continue preaching, I don't get this as often, but especially when I first started preaching, I would have preacher, pastors get up to me and say, you know, uh, before you get up, if you cannot, like, you, you don't speak in tongues on the microphone. If also, you can just, um, you know, not, not mention uh, that God always wants to heal just in case, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. If you can just, like, stay clear from those topics. If you can, like, get done, you know, it's 11.15. If you can be done by 11.50, we have a roast in the oven. What do you think? I carry revival in my suitcase and I just sort it out as a product table and say, come ye, come all? I mean, you look at it, the hunger that they had in the book of Acts where they tarried for 10 whole days to have the manifestation of the Spirit in their services. And we expect, we might as well just rename the church to Church and have a drive through window where people pull up and we say, would you like communion with that? And have them move on. We've done everything to make the Holy Ghost feel unwelcome so that we can what? Keep to our traditions. And Jesus said, you have made void the word of God in keeping to your traditions. There's no anointing on preaching that is rushed. There's, that's why I love coming on this broadcast. Isaiah doesn't say, hey, you know, we'll get back. We'll, I'll get you on by 9, 10. And um, if you can just keep it to like five minutes, he says, let the Holy Ghost flow through you. If you go 20 minutes, go 20. If you go, just, just let, it, let it flow through you. That's how, when you have that type of approach to the ministry and, and, and that type of welcoming ministry to the Holy Ghost where he feels like he's, I don't want to give the Holy Spirit a, a guest seat in my house. I want him to have the chief seat of honor where he's free to do whatever he desires to do. When that starts to happen, you won't have a building large enough to contain them. People think if the gifts of the Spirit start manifesting, you know, that's where there's some destruction and harm that comes. So I just, you know, I'd rather have no fire than any wildfire. I'd rather deal with a little bit of wildfire and allow the Holy Ghost fire to flow through me because there's nothing... That is out of order, that if you're a man of God or a woman of God, that you can't bring into order in a service. There's nothing you can, if someone, you know, lashes out in the flesh, there's nothing you can't put down and then bring people back into order so that these gifts can, 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 can continue the flow. So I would rather, I'd rather be around a little wildfire, but have the real, than to dwell around icicles where nothing's flowing. I, I mean... <laughs> Like I said before, if the Holy Spirit walked into some churches with a top hat on and a monocle, with a staff in his hand and sat in the front row people, and threw a hymnal book right to the pastor's head, they still wouldn't recognize his presence. The moment someone starts to, you know, feel the power of God on them, they immediately get an usher to take them out of the service because we don't, you know, some of you saw things last Sunday that you're not used to. What are we? Come on. So good. I think a lot of people will say, if we do those things, we're going to scare the new people. And my thought is, if we do those things, the new people might actually believe in God. Like, friend, That's there's right. a reason why 
The people around us don't believe in God because we are the ambassadors. That means you're the representative, the representation of God on the earth. And we're poorly representing him because we're leaving him on a Sunday morning. And we think that's our Christianity. So that means an hour and a half is 1% of the week. So 1% of the week, you're, you're Christian and you worship God. What about the other 99.9% where God says, I want to encounter you. One of the things that Jesus indicts the Pharisees in Matthew 23, and you guys go later and read this whole thing, is it's, it's going to blow your mind when you read this, is this. You guys are focused and you clean the outside of the dish, but you fail to wash the inside. Think about this. When you're using a dish, a coffee mug or a cup or a bowl, I have four little kids, okay, so I know all about this. What would you prefer? The outside to be clean or the inside to be clean? Honestly, the outside doesn't matter. What matters in the, is the inside because the inside is what is being used. And what That's the right. Lord is saying is religious people, they only care about the cleanliness of the outside. In other words, as long as Isaiah looks clean, he doesn't have to live clean. As, I, as long as Isaiah looks like he has it all together, he doesn't have to really have it all together. As long as you look like a believer, you don't have to be a believer. So we teach you how to work on the looks, right? Look like a believer, talk like a believer, act like a believer. And that's why you, are, you guys already know you can be disconnected from God all week long, have no relationship with God, and then on Sunday morning, you're the most radical person in the kingdom of God. All week long, you've not encountered, you don't care, you're doing whatever you want to do. Why? Because we literally, religion is embedded in people that all God cares about is your exterior, is the outside of the dish. And God says, the opposite is true. I would rather you look bad on the outside, but be good on the inside, because we have a lot of pastors, leaders, and believers that are public successes but private failures and this is why don't need to mention names because we you can literally just google it over and over pastors falling past the most famous pastors in the world by the way not just the average pastor on the corner falling to sexual immorality and this would always they always say for years they'd been doing this for years until they got caught why because they didn't care about the inside they didn't care about the thought life they didn't care about their desires all they wanted to know was did they look polished and clean on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube, but in reality, they were battling on the inside. So Paul said, there's an inner battle that I have to overcome because God is interested on the inside. And then he goes on to talk about the, the whitewashed tombs. And this was literally making dead bodies look nice. I always wanted this, TJ, when they make bo dead bodies, they put the makeup on, the nice clothes, and they pretty them up. I'm like, the person's dead. Like, why are we trying to make them look good? Why are we trying to make them look better? And really, it's just for the funeral so that everybody can see them and they can look good. But the reality is they're dead. And this is where the bride of Christ is in the world right now. The harlot bride that's a wannabe bride. She has all of her makeup done. She's dressed nice, but she's dead. And God is going, what's the point of these whitewashed tombs? These 5,000. And listen, when I die, okay, my wife's listening to this. Do not go buy me a $10,000 uh, casket with gold and bellish. And I, I, I'm wondering, why do the caskets cost $10,000? Just go ahead and bury me in a plastic bag. Like, I don't care. I'm dead. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And we're trying to buy these. You know what they are? You know what these, a lot of these mega churches are? They're massive caskets. They're $7 million. Oh, brother, 
we have a $7 million building and five, 15 campuses and this and that. And I'm like, wow, great. So I've preached in $15 million buildings. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm, I know there must be fire here because you have a $15 million building. And you know, well, when's the last time you all saw a miracle? When's the last time someone got delivered? When's the last time someone encountered God? When's the last time the baptism of the Holy Ghost broke out? Well, we haven't had a revival in 25 years. But you have a $15 million casket but there's no move of God. And on the outside, it looks good with the LED screen and the, you know, drive-by, we have a guest speaker. But it's, listen, we're, no one else is gonna preach this, y'all. This is the only place you're gonna find this preaching. On the inside, it's dead. And this is what Jesus was saying in Matthew 23. He was saying, you have these massive buildings and properties and tabernacles and caskets, and you guys are all dressed nice and look nice and pretty, have the lights and everything, but you're dead on the inside. And God is wondering tonight, who is going to say, Lord, I want to be alive. I want the life of God on the inside of me. I'm tired of being a whitewashed tomb. I'm tired of being dead. I'm tired of being religious. I'm tired of spending millions and thousands on a building, but not letting your Holy Spirit move. The Holy Ghost is looking to move. Listen. I love the lights. I have an expensive camera. I have expensive light. I love it. Praise the Lord. But don't have it and not have the fire of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you because a laser light show or a fog machine is never going to heal the sick. Friend, I don't know if you know, these lights down here shining up there to make a cool effect, these blue, these are going to do nothing in the kingdom of God. These are not going to heal the sick. These are not going to raise the dead. These cameras are not going to deliver anybody. All these are our vehicles to get us into the world to be able to see the world get saved and healed and delivered. But there's no power in these things. The power of God is on the inside. It's not external. It's not, oh, you guys and God, Jesus told me, you love being called rabbi. You love the titles. You love being the head of the table. You, everything you love is exterior, but it doesn't it doesn't change the inside. And that's why I said, don't tear your garments, tear your heart. I want your insides to change. I want my thought life to change. I want to be delivered. I don't want to be a social media. And this is craziness, TJ. You go on their social media pages, they are the most successful people you've ever met. Everybody wants to be them but they're broken on their family life. They're broken on the inside. I've had friends that are pastors take their own life, and if you went on their Instagram account, you would think they were the perfect person, yet they took their life. Why? Because we're so worried when it comes to religion on how we look on the outside, and that is why most leaders and pastors spend more time on their hair than they do in prayer. That is why we're so all about style and about polish and professionalism. I, I said it the other day, I don't, the only thing I want polished is my sword, is to polish it up before I cut the head of Goliath off. I don't wanna be polished. So like, you need to just polish up more and be more politically correct. You, do you guys realize we purposely are not politically correct? Like, I want to not be politically correct because you can't be politically correct and biblically, biblically correct at the same time. I want the power of God. I feel it right now, the power of God to move. I'm going to turn it over to you one last time, TJ, and then we're just going to pray. I'm going to pray just the breaking of the spirit of religion. TJ, if you would, I'm going to have you pray for healing. If there's any last remarks you want to make on this, I just today, listen, guys, this is what we did. We had all the stuff we talked about, like we're going to go into this. We didn't do any of it. I'm going to tell you why. Because today, as it is every time TJ comes on here, we're hammering. The word of God is a hammer that shatters strongholds. Those demonic fortresses, the devil's built in your mind, 
We are shattering them in Jesus' name. The word of God pierces, it breaks. And as we've been preaching, we've been one, one hit, next hit, the next hit, I hit, then TJ hits, then I hit, then TJ hits. And all of a sudden you're sitting back going, wait a minute, I've been in church my entire life and I've never encountered God. I've never seen the sick healed. I've never seen that. Listen, there's been over 2,500 of you on this broadcast this entire time. Don't act like y'all are Jesus's third cousin. There's many of us in this broadcast, including me, that need what God is doing tonight to remove religious mindsets so that we can see breakthrough in Jesus' name. Jesus said the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Mm. He said the kingdom of God is within you. So it's not, you know, that's what makes the difference between... I mean, outside of the miracles and all, between Christianity and any other religion, is all those religions are like outward. You know, like Buddha came and he preached like, if you do these things, you'll you'll like eventually arrive at peace, hopefully. You know, and I can name all the other religions and go through what they taught. Jesus is the only one who said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life and nobody can get to the father except he come through me. It's not about pushing every button and hoping something work, every button and hoping something works. It's not about throwing things at a wall and hoping it sticks. There is a lady recently, I, I went to a restaurant to get some food and I walked in and she took my order and then we start talking and stuff. And she's talking about, you know, how it's been rough for restaurants. Cause in Montreal, Quebec, restaurants are still closed. They've been closed for a whole year. We can just do takeout. So, I, you know, we got into a conversation. And then I, I saw that she, her heart was broken. I saw that she was distressed. And she started to say that, you know, I, I, I haven't been able to pay my mortgage and whatnot. And she was, like, getting teary-eyed. And so I, I knew when someone opens up like that to you, it's not time to say, well, hey, I'll keep you in prayer. Can I have my food, please? You know, that's time to strike while the iron is hot. So I, I like, kicked into gear. And I started to talk about how Jesus said in the last days, things like this would happen, that there would be famines, pestilences, new diseases, new virus that would hit the earth. And that the only place on earth that there would be peace is under the shelter of the most high God. And I said, if you'll get in covenant with God, not only will he'll, he'll deal out your financial stuff. That's no problem for God. He's a miracle worker. But the, the, the stress you're feeling, the weight of the world crushing your shoulders, the Holy Spirit can change you on the inside out, from the inside out. He'll do in you what he'll do eventually through you to impact other people. But God wants to do it for you first. You know, the main pr- problem Jesus had with the Pharisees is that the, he said, you scribes, you teachers of the law, you have robbed the people of the key of knowledge. And you don't let, you don't even enter into the blessing of God. and you religious zealots you don't even you don't let other people who want to access god get in you've robbed them of the keys of knowledge you don't show them the way and as such not only do you are you not operating in the blessing the people who want to who want to contact god the one who want the ones who want an encounter with the holy spirit the ones who need the peace of god that surpass all understanding they they they're not able to they're not able to 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 benefit from it so i started to preach and, and, and tell her that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And that he'll sort out the, the broken heart you're feeling right now. He can mend the broken heart. And she started tearing up. This, this is just in a restaurant. There's like clients behind me. She's tearing up. That's why, you know, religion confines everything to a certain time. Uh, and if it's not within uh, 35 minutes on Sunday morning, then God will not operate. It's almost like he only works one, one hour a week on Sunday morning. Jesus proved 
by healing on the Sabbath. What was their problem with him healing on the Sabbath? There are six days on which men ought to work. Now's not the time to be doing that. It was, it's always the wrong time for God to manifest in the religious world. It's always a wrong. There's never a right time for them. And so, you know, when you start to get, <laughs> when you start to study the scriptures and, you know, you get the fire of God in you, it'll burn that off you. And then you'll start to see manifestations of the spirit wherever you go. Jesus in the marketplace. We're seeing people healed. Jesus at the Sea of Galilee. The power of the Lord was present there to heal him. Jesus in some guy's house is having a revival meeting and there's no longer room to receive people, not even near the door. Most of the miracles Jesus did in the synagogue was casting out devils. The real miracles happened outside of the synagogue, in the marketplace, in the village, in the chief places of the city. Paul is in Ephesus in the main city uh, square. And people are bringing their magic books and sorcery books as they saw the miracles he performed. And they're burning it in the sight of all. Revival in the city square. It's about time we start to break out of the four walls of the church and start to see revival in the city square. Revival in school. Revival in the workplace. Revival in the home. Revival is not confined to an hour on Sunday morning. Revival is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I want revival every day because every day is God's day and the day you start to believe him that's when things start happening so that lady I end up praying with her you <laughs> anointing just hit her and you can see visibly the weight of the world just lifting off her shoulders she ends up uh, giving her life to Christ and she said whenever church opens up you you can be sure I'm I'm gonna be there and then she looks to me and she says just promise me you'll come back and talk to me. Just talk. Come back and talk to me. I said, listen, the, the reason why I brought up this story was that she said, you know, before, before I let her in, in the uh, letter to Christ, she ends up telling me that, you know, I, I, go to, I go to the Orthodox Church and I light up candles. I light up candles and, you know, that's, you know, that's my relationship with God. I said, it's not about lighting up candles. You can light up all the candles until you burn down the church and it won't do you any good. It's not about rosaries. It's not about uh, Hail Mary. Almost all that stuff is dogmatic. It's all man-made stuff. And Paul said in Colossians, Lest, don't, don't be deceived, lest you be drawn away unto the traditions of men, and as such, you, for, you forfeit the reward that God truly wants you to have. Don't be drawn away by the basic traditions of the world, the basic traditions of men. And as such, you are robbed from the reward, the rewards of serving God. She thought that if she just pushed everybody and God would finally hear her prayer. If I just, you know, and I, if, I just, if I just call the pastor every single day and ask him to keep me in prayer, that God will maybe, no. That, that veil that blocked men from the presence of God when Jesus died, it was torn from top to bottom so that the Holy Ghost is no longer in a box. It was never his desire to stay in boxes and temples made with human hands, but a temple he has prepared. Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The, the veil into the Holy of Holies has been rent from top to bottom. We now have confidence to draw near unto God ourselves. I don't have to go through a priest. I don't have to go through a religious system. I don't have to jump through hoops and back. I
I've been saved by grace through faith. And by that same faith, I have boldness to enter into the holy of holies, stand before God without any sense of inferiority, without any sense of condemnation, without any sense of guilt. And I can make my petitions known unto him. And he said, I'm not just going to hear you. I'll answer you. Call unto me and I'll show you mighty things which you know not of. So good. I feel, I feel, you know, he talked like that. that You don't have to go through a priest. She, it it wasn't hard to lead her to Christ. Why? Because once people see the real way, (laughs) the, the blinders break off and then they see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to get them to be Holy Ghost addicts after that. Come on, so good. We're going to pray. I know there's many of you in the chat right now that are hungry for God to move. You say, Isaiah, TJ, how do I break out of religion? How do I break out of this? And here's the only antidote. Here's the only answer to be born again. And how do you know this? Because when Nicodemus, a teacher of religious law, came to Jesus and said, I've done everything. I'm a teacher of religious law. You can't tell me how to become more religious Jesus said you must be born again. This is the only way. And this is what the Bible says in the book of Acts. They repeated in Acts 2, you must repent of your sins. This is how you're born again is by repenting of your sin. He said, repent of your sin, be baptized and be full of the Holy Spirit. So friend, tonight is a night of repentance. If you're listening and you say, I want to be born again, you begin to ask God, say, Lord, like I did the night I got saved, I'm calling out to you tonight. I want to change the way I think. I need your power to come change my mind. I need your power to come change my life. Everything on the inside of me wants to turn from my ways and turn towards you. So just begin to ask him. We're going to begin to pray for you. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to have TJ just pray. Just release healing, release the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just release the fire of God. But I just want to pray for those of you that are like, man, I need this. I'm tired of religion. I'm turning from my ways. Father, we ask you tonight in Jesus' name that you would release your power, that you would release your anointing, that you would release your fire for those that are in the chat that say, Lord, I want to be born again. Father, we thank you that this is a gift, that repentance is a gift, that salvation is a free gift, that we don't earn salvation. It's not from repeating something, but it is a free gift from you. And Lord, we thank you that Acts 2.38 says, repent of your sins and be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, tonight we repent. Isaiah repents. We say, Lord, change the way that we think. We are changing the direction. No longer are we going after drinking, going after partying, going after pornography, going after addiction. No longer are we going after our own way. To repent means to submit your will to God. To say, Lord, it's not about my dreams or my ambitions or my emotions, but it is about you. So Lord, we ask you just right now, let us, God, give us the power. Those that I feel the Holy Spirit saying, those that are weak right now, let's say, Isaiah, I can't, I just can't get away from it. The Lord says, I'm releasing my power to break you out of every bondage. You can turn away. You can repent. I know it because I was it. I was every day pornography and cussing every other word. And I was as far out there as you can get. And the Holy Spirit changed me in one moment. This is not a 12 step program. This is one encounter with God. One moment being born again. So Father, we ask you right now for biblical repentance to be released. And those of you that feel like you can't do it right now, the Holy Spirit is coming to help you. He is the helper, not the doer. And he's going to help you repent. He's going to help you turn away from your sin. He's going to help you say no to the addiction, no to the fornicating, no to the pornography, no to the, the lust of the flesh. Father, we pray, just touch them right now by your power. We come against right now that demonic 
spirit of religion that demonic power that the devil used the bible says if the principalities and powers knew what they were doing the devil if the devil knew what he was doing he would have never crucified jesus so how did the devil crucify jesus he used religion as a vehicle to do what he wanted to do so religion is demonic it's used of satan and tonight we break it in jesus name i plead the blood of jesus against every religious stronghold every religious spirit and we break it now in jesus name we take authority satan you are bound you have no power we cast you out the bible says that devils are subject to the disciples so we have power according to god's word to drive them out to literally throw them out that's what cast out means picture somebody getting thrown out of a house demons dwell in houses and jesus says but here's the thing, I've given you power to throw them out of the house. So right now we cast out, we throw out every demonic spirit, every demonic power of religion, we throw you out, we are not your home. You need to tell the enemy tonight, I am not your home. I am not your dwelling place, I'm a temple of Almighty God, I'm a dwelling place of God and Satan, you have no power in me. Jesus said, the evil one comes, but he has nothing in me. And tonight is the night where you divorce the devil, you break up with Satan, you say, you know what devil? me and you no longer have anything in common pack up your stuff i'm evicting you tonight i'm literally throwing you out of the house i'm not getting now listen don't give the devil a two-week notice because he will convince you to let him stay don't tell him oh devil next week you got to move out oh tomorrow night tomorrow night one pharaoh said one more night with the frogs we're not having one more night with the plagues or the frogs we're kicking them out tonight Today is not the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Salvation now, right now, is the day for healing, for deliverance, for breakthrough, and for freedom. Salvation means to be delivered, to be healed, and to be protected. God wants to save you now. His hand is here. His power is here. We're preaching by faith. We're speaking by faith. It's time to throw them out. Right now, throw them out. How do I throw them out? You command them to leave in Jesus' name. Your power and your authority is in the name of Jesus. Use the name of Jesus to get them out. They have to leave tonight. TJ, I'm going to ask you just to pray. I know there's people in the chat that are sick in body. I want you, if you're sick in body, you need healing to type one by faith because tonight God wants to heal you. And this is one thing I love that you preach, TJ. God's desire and God's word says that every person be made well every person his desire is for all of you to be made well there's no scripture where it says god only wants to heal some people so tonight we just believe and i know there's an anointing tonight to, for the sick to be healed we're going to pray a special prayer over you and this is not some religious thing where we're repeating words that we're reading on a screen this is the power of god at work on the earth through the holy spirit to heal your body tonight so i'm just going to turn you loose tj to pray to pray over them the the very word salvation is sozo in the greek and it entails salvation, not just for the spirit so that you can get to heaven. It is a full package. It is salvation in your spirit, regeneration of your spirit in the likeness of God. It is the salvation of your soul, your emotions, your volition, your will, your mind, your peace of mind. It is salvation in your body, your physical body. The Bible says he bore your sicknesses and carried your pains. If he already bore it, then why would you have to bear it another day in your life? If someone paid my bill for groceries while I stood in line and I got to the cashier and I said, I'd like to pay for my, 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 my groceries again, or I'd like to pay for my groceries. Uh, sir, they've already been paid for. No, no. I need to pay for these groceries. Sir, you've already they're already paid for. You just need to walk and leave and eat whatever, you know, is in your cart. 
Uh, I would like to, you would, that lady would look at me as a lunatic. Jesus already paid the price. He did not go to the whipping post because he had nothing else to do that day. He didn't go to the whipping post because, you know, it, it just happened to be that they were trying out new whips that day and they wanted, they wanted to use him. He didn't go to the whipping post other outside, other than that he was fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. He was pierced through for, our, for, for the forgiveness of our sins. If Jesus only wanted to forgive your sins, he would have gone straight to the cross and received the, the nails in his hands and the blood shed from the nails in his hands would have been enough to forgive us of our sins and get us to heaven. But he made a pit stop on the way to the cross. And the Bible says he was whipped so that the lashes and the blood that gushed out of his back as a result of those whips were the price that needed to be paid for our physical healing. Anybody, and the religious devil automatically jumps up. Well, that was spiritual healing, brother. No, it wasn't because we didn't need spiritual healing. When someone's dead, they don't need healing. They need resurrection. You weren't sick in your sin. You were dead in your sin. And Christ raised you from the dead. Your body might be sick today, but those stripes were were done. That price was paid 2,000 years ago. I'm not believing God to be healed. I'm looking back to what Christ did at Calvary, and I'm receiving by faith the same way I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior in my life from sin. I accepted Jesus as Savior in my body from sickness. David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. He for your sins. That's where the church stays, and they don't move from there. And that's where religion wants to just stick on, because he, the devil knows if you move on to the next part, he heals all Jesus. That's where revival breaks out. He redeems our life from the pit, and he crowns us with steadfast love and compassion. Mark 2, and then I'm going to pray. Mark 2, they brought him a paralytic. He saw their faith, and he said, son, your sins are forgiven. The guy must have thought, what do you mean sins are forgiven? I can't you see? I'm a paralyzed individual. I don't need forgiveness of sins right now. I came to be healed. And then even the Pharisees, the religious world, who is this man who blasphemes forgiving people of their sin? Only God can forgive sin. Jesus goes on to say, which is easier for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven? Or son, get up, rise up, pick up your pallet and walk. Both were provided for in the same work that he was about to accomplish at the cross. And when he was nailed to that tree, and the Bible says he rose again three days later, he wasn't just, he wasn't just the one who shed his blood for the new covenant so that we can have access to these things. He is now the enforcer of that new covenant. Christ is not just the one that shed his blood to bring the new covenant to us. He enforces that covenant from heaven as we believe on him and waver not in our confession. So I'm going to pray right now. I want you to say this out loud wherever you are. I, I believed on Jesus as Savior from my sin. And he is, he is Christ, Lord of my life. I now receive that same Jesus as Savior to my body and healer of all sickness and disease in my body. In the name of Jesus Christ, as they've made that confession, I, by the authority of the name of Jesus that's been vested in me, that you said at the mention of that name, every knee should bow, even knees of cancer, even the knee of diabetes, even the knee of multiple cirrhosis, even the knee of blood pressure problems, even the knee of neurological disorders, 
and misfunction in the brain. In the name of Jesus, I declare your body whole, well, strong, and vital from this day onward. I break every captivity of sickness and disease that you're suffering with right now. You are created in God's image. You are created to go from glory to glory. Any sickness is an object of shame and reproach. And it's listed as a curse in Deuteronomy 28. And that God has blessed you and whom God has blessed, no man can curse. Therefore, anything listed as a curse that is present in your body finds its way out of your system now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I curse the work of the devil. I command it to wither up every tumor at the sound of my voice. Those listening and believing me, right? Believe in God right now. I command those tumors to wither at the root in Jesus' name. I command cancers, you foul spirit of infirmity, you demon of death, you agent of destruction. I, def I defy you now by the name of Jesus. The Bible says everything that defiles the name or the body or the temple of God, which temple you are, God himself will destroy. Cancer is a defiler. A defiling of the of the temple of God. Therefore, it invites destruction on itself right now. That destruction comes now. It's leaving your system. The strength of God is coming back in you alive and well. You, the oil of healing is poured out over your head. Your cup is running over with strength, wholeness, and vitality. And like Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood, I tell you, thy faith has made thee whole. Thy faith has made thee whole. Be whole and be made whole of thy plague in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. And today will be the last day you ever bout with sickness and disease. As you come under the shelter of the Almighty, the Bible doesn't say, I'll heal you when you get sick. He said, I'll not allow sickness to even locate you. I won't even allow sickness to come near your dwelling place. But he said, I'll put a hedge around you, a shield called faith, that the next time the devil tries to pull back his fiery dart of sickness, it's going to be quenched by that shield in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Free at last and free forever. And we thank you for it, Lord. Amen. So good, man. What a night. We're almost two hours in. We went, we went, listen, we just let the Holy Ghost move and do his thing. TJ, again, thank you so much. Like you've always been when you come on here, you're a blessing. You're a revivalist. You're a trumpet. Let us know where we can find you, where you stream at. Also, guys, please, I know a lot of you are doing it now. Don't dine and dash. Sow into what God is doing. I want to sow into TJ significantly tonight. So please help us out by partnering, becoming monthly partners, and sowing into the stream. But TJ, let us know where else we can find you also. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.